In recent years, we've seen the creation of many successful podcast networks. If you're interested in learning the ins and outs of establishing and running a podcast network, I want you to meet Denise Duran. Denise Duran is the founder of Podcasters Unlimited, a network of original shows that focuses on consultation, curriculum, and collaboration. Denise is also the founder of Podwork, the conference that promotes the growth of podcast networks. In this episode, we're going to weigh the pros and cons of starting a podcast network, learn how to establish a podcast network, ways podcast networks make money, and some of the lessons Denise has learned along the way. Welcome to Women of Color Podcasters, episode number 12, the final episode of season one. I'm Danielle Desir Corbett, host of this show and also founder of Women of Color Podcasters. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, sharing it with your peers and friends, and letting us know which episodes resonated with you and why. It truly meant the world to us, and we are so grateful that season one was such a hit. We will be back for season two, January 2024. But in the meantime, every week, we're going to share one trailer from a Women of Color hosted podcast. So stay tuned to discover all types of shows from our community members and do not forget to follow them and let them know WOC Podcasters sent you. If you're a Women of Color podcast creator or professional interested in joining us as a guest, For season two, please send us an email with a few topics we can discuss. Contact wcpodcasters at gmail.com. Also, if you're interested in partnering with us on the podcast, sponsoring an episode, or maybe even the entire season, please reach out to us as well. wcpodcasters at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and find ways we can partner and collaborate. A special thank you to all of our supporting sponsors, including Podbean. All of our show notes were written with the help of Cap Show, Breadfruit Media, Grants for Creators, and the Thought Card Travel Podcast. Without further ado, let's now jump into this conversation with Denise. Women of color are influential visionaries, moving the podcasting industry forward impacting how we create and consume podcasts. But we often don't hear about their work, contributions, or rise to success. We believe it's about time these powerhouses are celebrated and acknowledged. So tune in every other week as we share the stories of women of color making big moves in front and behind the mic. Before Afrosan Audio, which is in, at the time of this recording, it's November, but we met a month ago at Afrosan Audio in October. And before that, it was like been years. So I'm super excited to connect, learn from you, and really dig into things for us to consider if we are starting a podcast network. I know it feels like so long ago, but it was such a while back that we actually connected virtually. And we met like in 2019 at Women of World, I think. Remember, we had the WOC meetup and we met in person. And then since then, we actually connected in Afros. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you and get knowledge from you. You know, you're such a great role model and mentor. And just I'm so honored to be here. So I'm super excited to chat. Yes. So when I think of you, Denise, I immediately go to podcast networks. That's the first thing that I think about. And I'd love for folks who aren't familiar with the term podcast networks for you to explain what they are, what they provide, and who they may be for. So podcast networks, to me, podcast networks is a collection of podcasts that are, you know, produced or distributed by one network. 
For example, there's a lot of niche podcast networks out there who are just completely fiction. So they produce and distribute these podcasts on their network and they're specific, right? With Podcasters Unlimited and what I define as podcast network, I have a collection of podcasts that we produce, we curate, and we also assist on getting sponsorship and getting affiliate and just putting the brand and the podcaster out there, whether it's participating in conferences, whether it's participating in different meetups, just engaging them. So podcast network Networks is collection of podcasts produced or distributed by one single network. It could be niche, it could be a community as well, but that's pretty much the definition of what we do at Podcasters Unlimited. I love that. I love that. So let's talk about the pros and the cons of establishing a podcast network. What are the advantages and also the disadvantages of a network? So one of the advantages of the network, which is something that we talk about in a lot of different rooms and it comes up often, is the fact that you have support. Being a part of a podcast network, you're part of a collective. There's one, two, three, four, however many shows are part of this network. Now you have someone who accompanies you, right? Maybe that host from the other show, you guys can cross promote each other. There is an ability in having a podcast network and having people in that network where you don't feel alone. If you need a question answered, if you want to promote a show, if you want to just pick up the phone or speak to somebody, the network allows you that community. That community that's aligned in one sense of what they're trying to do is either broaden their show, brand their show, grow it, or monetize it. So I think that's something that's very positive in podcast networks, especially because as podcasters, we're always very singled out and always working alone at times. And the network just provides you for just a chance to see other podcasters that are either starting off or mid-level along with you that you can cross-promote, you know, just cheer each other on. So that's one thing about podcast networks that I would say is, is a positive. Another thing about a podcast network that's just very very, very important is the fact that when you start off new, let's say your brand new show and you have another network show that's not brand new and they have a certain amount of numbers or downloads or listens, it kind of helps give you that edge where you're seeing what that podcast is doing, right? What they've been doing with their show and kind of gives you that mentoring as well. So mentoring as a podcast network is something important. And also if you're doing affiliate and sponsorship, the more numbers you'd have, (laughs) the better it is. And with a network, you can use that collective of numbers to gauge more sponsorships or even do affiliates, which is something that we've done with Podcasters Unlimited, done some affiliate stuff. So those are the pros. Now, let me tell you about the the hard part. The cons are when you are starting a network, you ultimately need to know what is your purpose? Why are you starting this network? What do you want to bring as a podcast network? Excuse me. What are you giving to the podcasters? What is going to be the plan that you have for them? What is going to be the structure and pay? What's going to be just numbers and really understanding how you're going to help these podcasters make money as well as yourself as a business. That's something that I say is a con because sometimes when you're starting a podcast network, people start communities, right? You know, we want to commune with each other. We want to learn from each other. But after a while, you have to do things very, very structured. So when we started Podcasters Unlimited and in myself, it's about to be two years now, we just kind of went in like, you know what? We want to see other people in our community grow. We want to start shows. We want to collaborate with people. So that's how we started. We started with Jelani Watts, who's a host of Dissecting Your Perspective. He wanted to talk about relationships, brand new show. We have Detravius, who read the fine print, who has had a show. It's been on and off, but he also does speaking engagements. He's an attorney, entrepreneur. We also took a show. So we wanted to see how we can help each other grow and then start a network where there's different shows and there's people people that look like us. So that was one of the things that we did with Podcasters Unlimited. So you have to make sure you have a plan and you know what you're going to do. When we kind of went in it, we didn't really know what we're doing, to be honest. We were like, you know what, let's do this. Let's work at this. Let's go. And most of the shows that we started with were brand new shows. So I would say, number one, know why you're starting it. Our why was that we wanted to work along with peers of ours that wanted to start podcast networks, that we wanted to see them grow. Number two, We did everything 
with the right paperwork. We filed an LLC. We talked about partnership. We did operation agreements, right? We gave everybody contract. And when we started structuring the pay, we were like, okay, a lot of podcasters are bootstrap, right? So what do we do? Do we charge people to be part of a podcast network because we're starting off? Or do we accommodate certain features for them, right? So we can help them. So that's number two. What structure of pay you want to do? What do you want to offer these podcasters? And number three, the independent podcast wants to own their content. A lot of podcast networks, if you guys have done your research, at times do give the ability, right, to the independent podcasters to own their content. But back in, you know, two years ago, during that pivot and the pandemic and everything, we heard a lot of horror stories with different major media companies that did take away ownership of podcasts that they created alongside the collaborators. So make sure that you know why you're starting it. Make sure that you have all your paperwork in line and make sure that you know the structure that you want to have. What are you offering? What are you providing for them? What is the plan for each show? Because each show is unique. So that was a lot, but I have to be honest. It's a lot to think about, but just understand what is your purpose? Why do you want to start a podcast network? Like I said, we had Jelani, a few people that I knew that needed that guidance as well as we did and needed that partnership. And it just kind of worked. Okay. You know what? We have this show. We have that show. Let's start it off this way. And that's how we, we started Podcasters Unlimited. And I named it Unlimited because we wanted unlimited potential. But remember... <laughs> <laughs> these shows were pretty much brand new. So that's always a challenge, right? When you are starting to build your podcast. So that was a mouthful, but it's a lot to think about. And it's a great journey, but yeah. <laughs> and that was during the pandemic, Danielle. So we were like, yo, Googling, how do we start a podcast network? It was rough. We had a lot of lessons that we're still learning. Just saying. You know what? I'm like making a checklist for us so that we have all the things that you mentioned, file that LLC, operations agreement, <laughs> you know, uh, ownership of content. Like there's just, like you said, there are just so many things to consider when you are establishing a podcast network. But I have a follow-up question for you. Knowing what you know now, how long would you say it would take for you to build a podcast network, generally speaking? You always ask the right questions, miss. You always do, huh? I'm just getting no, no, but yes. So <laughs> I would say, I would say planning and really structuring it out. I would say a good six months to really like, let's say file your LLC. You know, you don't have to do Zoom legal, no offense to Zoom legal. You know, you can file it through your state. It's very easy to do. You want to make sure, are you doing a partnership, right? With this LLC, if you know who's coming in, what percentage you're giving or, or you're not doing that. I would say six months because when you think about the scope of what an independent podcaster represents, right? It's the ability to have a low barrier of entry to do whatever you want. Whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do, if you get the right content, if you brand yourself accordingly, if you use all the techniques on social media, if you have a great name, right, as a podcast, it's just kind of like an overview. These things can really put you out there. So we have power. We have the ability to just jump on the microphone, which some people just do, and be able to do whatever we want. When you talk about a podcast network, you have to also align yourself with podcasters and prepare yourself that everyone that's going to be on your network, it's not going to have the same views as you, right? It's not going to be the same type of content. It's going to be some type of workaround depending on your niche, but you have to also take that into consideration who you want on there. That takes time to vet, right? How you're getting this LLC done. What's the pay structure? Are you coming in asking them to pay monthly for the things you're giving them or you're asking for a percentage of the profit that you help bring in for sponsorship or affiliate? Those are a lot of things to think about. So I would say six months to really plan out because you want to be able to have your paperwork right. You want to be able to have a business account right. You want to be able to have your LLC. You want to be able to have contracts and things as well and agreements that are fair to the podcaster as well as fair to the business that you're starting. So I would say I think six months is a good timeline because I just feel like that gives you a good amount of time to get your paperwork in order and figure out who you want to ask and collaborate with. And if your goals align with them, that's also important. 
because a lot of times some people just want to be hobbyist podcasters, which I did for a very long time, right? You know, we talked about that, Danielle, years ago. I was okay with, you know, okay, I'm fine. I, I want to be on doing the show, whatever. If I make money, yeah, okay, fine. And some people are more consistent, right? Some people are entrepreneurs and that's their first thing and their podcast is just their funnel, right? To bring them clients or to just brand them as the entrepreneur that they are in their community. So it takes a little bit. I would say six months to be fair because you need to answer these questions and ask these questions and get the right answers. I appreciate that honesty because, you know, for me, when I was launching my own solo show, I'm not part of a network. So it just for me only, it took me two and a half months to launch from like idea to live with my first round of episodes. So I can only imagine, and I did not have any of the official paperwork or anything like that, you know, to establish. So thank you for putting like some numbers around that. Now, also as a follow-up, because I am a numbers person, I love digging into the nitty gritty number detail. You mentioned pay structure. So you mentioned that there are some networks that charge a monthly fee for the podcasters. There's also thinking about pay structures in terms of affiliate percentage, sponsorship percentage. So can you just briefly run down like some of the most common types of pay structures that folks should be thinking about if they're establishing a podcast network? I would say if, and you asked me this earlier, and I would answer this again in this regard, I would say that what I would have done differently, I would have charged a subscription for people to join. I feel like the subscription model as far as a network works, right, at the beginning because I see your commitment, right? I see your sacrifice. And you know this, Danielle, from what you run in the community. I see that you're serious about your podcast and your brand and what you're trying to do. I would have started that way. Not to say that my podcasters that are on the network needed that, but I feel like I would have gotten... I guess a bigger wave of podcasters and would have saw who was serious, right? Who was not and who wanted to stay. So a lot of times subscription is a lot of go-to for a lot of networks. And the other go-to from what I've seen in other networks, and we did this a little different, it's like a 70-30 cut. If you look at maybe someone like, I'm not sure, iHeart, but like other media companies and you look on YouTube, a lot of different people talk about they do a 70-30 where 30% of your advertising dollars or sponsorship, the network takes, right? And you keep 70, but you own your own content and you own your own. Also too, a lot of networks do like, you know, the downloads, right? The CPM per downloads, they pay you a certain amount depending on how many downloads you have. But the most common one I've seen is the 70-30 cut and being paid by certain downloads. For example, I was approached by a podcast network, you know, who talked about their split and they were talking about they do about a 70-30. And then after you reach like maybe 5,000 to 10,000 downloads, you're able to get paid a little bit more depending on what sponsorship they secure. So that was a, another podcast network who did it the way. What we started to do was if we helped you curate the show, right, and we helped co-create it, then our split was a little higher because we were able to bring out the name. We were able to do the format. We were able to do the topics. We helped you book the guests. So we talked about that split, particularly with one of the shows that we helped co-create, which is Dissecting Your Perspective. You know, we went in, okay, we're going to do this 70-30. We're going to do this 60-40. And then we agreed to something that was fair because of the work that we put in to curate the show. That show, you know, right now has over a thousand downloads, but it took a while. You're talking about when we launched the show in 2021, having that consistency where there's episodes. And to us, that was like, wow, okay, great. It's a brand new show, you know, not a lot of promotion because the host, you know, just has, he's a very tech person, just very, very business with multiple businesses. And over those thousand downloads that we acquired from that show consistently, we're like, wow, this was great. So with a show that we're co-creating, that's a different conversation, right? We talk about collaboration. So we say, okay, what are we going to do? Is this our percentage? So that's what we did. When we came in with the other podcasters is what we did. We asked if we were going to cover, let's say, hosting side expenses, right? We're going to cover a Google number or email. We covered certain accessories, right, that podcasters needed as our expense, right? And we asked for a certain split of the affiliate profit and any profit that we brought in for sponsorship. That was it. You own your own content. You own your own you know, everything because you're coming in. But if we're covering X, Y, Z expenses and you're bringing this monthly, then we take a percentage of that because we are covering basic expenses that sometimes for podcasters, it's hard to keep up. Not that people out here don't have money, 
but it's extra money and there's no real income that you're bringing in. So that's how we started to do that. A good thing about covering the expenses was that we were able to file it in our taxes. You know what I mean? As a loss. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we were able to kind of write that off, but I wouldn't suggest that. I would think that maybe the 70-30 cut or doing a subscription would be the best model because you're able to weed out who is a beginner, mid-level, and who is really serious about being consistent. So just to be honest with you, so that's how we did it. So if, you know, we had like three tiers where I was explaining to you to this when me and you sat down and we said, okay, we cover this, we cover that, it's 10, 20%. We do this, it's 30%. And we kind of did it between 10 to 30%. It just depended on what we covered. Because remember, there's expenses for hosting, there's expenses for StreamYard, there's expense. When you look at websites, all of that adds up. And if you have a network who's willing to help you cover those expenses, right, and also help you bring affiliate and sponsorship, they definitely deserve a percentage because they're helping you with those main ingredients that you need to launch that podcast. So that's how we started to do it. If I can go back, I might have done the subscription. And this is why we kind of were like, okay, we still have our shows. They do great. And we do some affiliate, but we haven't been able to garnish a huge sponsorship for all the shows yet because they were very new. Now with the new show that we created, it's moving a lot faster and it's more niche. So it has been able to catch some buzz and we're working on getting those sponsors and doing things like that. So I I think I would have gotten the subscription model. Yeah, that's wonderful. And when you say 70-30, for example, split, I'm assuming 70% of that split goes to the podcaster and 30% would go to the podcast network. Yes, that's what I've seen a lot. But there's other ways as well, because when you think about a podcast network and you're talking about a podcast network that's, I'm saying six months around there, it's a bootstrap, right? We went in there with not a lot, right? Not a lot of investment, not a lot of money up front. It's a different story. So I'm also part of a podcasters network alliance group. And shout out to Sunny Gull. I'm a part of that group because I am a podcast owner, even though my podcast network is one of the smallest. There's an array of podcast networks. People who have, like Marla is Saxon, who I'm sure you know her Asa Collective. She's part of that. Sunny Gull Independent Podcast Network. She does a lot of subscription and different things. So I'm part of this network and I see and learn from them because we're all still figuring out and we're all in different levels of our success. But I see that people do things differently. And another thing is that the resources, right? A lot of people have a lot of investments that were given to them or they've crowdfunded, raised thousands of dollars and have had other media conglomerates or, you know, subdivisions give them money. So when Ann and I came in there, you know, we really were like, oh, we want to start it. We want to help, you know, this person, that person, let's do this network. And we were like, oh my goodness, this is a lot. But yeah, it's all depending on what the purpose is, what your structure is, and what you want to do. I might have gotten the subscription route though, because I feel like that's a you know consistent money, residual monthly, you know, Danielle, right? And you see what people want to do for themselves because they're paying into it, you know. And a lot of people do that as well. It just all depends on what you're looking to do. Yes, yes, that makes a lot of sense. And like you said, that there are a lot of variations, a lot of varieties. But one thing about podcasting is that you get to pick your own adventure. So as you're building out this network, you can pick what works for you, which I think is great. And it's just in line with what podcasting, the like the spirit of podcasting. So when would you say is the right time to start thinking about launching a podcast network? Maybe after listening to this episode, they're inspired like, hey, I have four or five people who I think would be interested in joining, what's the next step? When should they be thinking about pursuing this? I think the next step, if you have four or five people that you have in mind, right, that you feel as though align with some of your goals, right, some of your values and some of your similar interests, I would say set up a meeting and talk to them. Because like I mentioned in the beginning, one of the positive things in a pro is that a lot of times we don't know what other people's goals are. We do listen to their podcasts, right? We listen to their shows and we're entertained and we're educated and we learn a lot from it, but we still don't know what that person's trajectory is. So line yourself up and talk to these people and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm thinking about starting a podcast network. What are you looking to do with your show? What is the purpose if you having this show in particular? What do you see yourself with this show? Do you use the show to elevate, you 
know, your brand? Are you just a business consultant? Are you do you more? Just really talk and ask questions because a lot of times, again, we assume, right? We see people on TikTok, we see people on social media and different media platforms, and we see what their brand is like, but we don't know the full story. And we're not sure if what I want to do, right, aligns with what you want to do, at least some similarity. So have a conversation and find those things out. I'm a big believer in aligning with people based on your values because, you know, success is great when you make money. Success, a lot of times we equate success to monetary gain, which how could you not, right? That's one big part of it, but it's also living in your values, right? And living in your integrity, you know, and you want to make sure that these people that you are bringing this idea to kind of live up to that. Because if not, the partnerships won't work out eventually, right? You know, I would say have a conversation. I think another step after you have the conversation, you see who's interested, make sure that each person that you talk to, you find out how long they've had their show for, you find out, you know, what's their numbers like, you find out if they have any sponsorship or affiliates, like what is their plan for their shows? Because I've also seen in the fiction realm, and I'm not sure if you listen to some audio fiction or audio dramas, a lot of times those listeners don't want to hear commercials (laughs) and they don't want to hear, you know what I mean? Certain types of sponsorship and advertising. So you can be aligning yourself with one of your podcast friends who has an audio drama and they're like, no, I'm fine. I'm being maintained by my Patreon. I have a legion of fans, right? You know, shout out to Tanya Ransom, who's a friend of mine, a really dope black horror writer and podcast winner who you know, she has a legion of fans who, you know, she curates through Patreon, you know, and they really support her. So that's what you got to find out. What is this person's goal? Does it align? What are their downloads like? How are they being supported right now currently through their monetization, through their podcast? And if you can do something that they want to do and align with it, then there's some synergy there. I don't know if that makes sense, but sometimes we just have these images of people because we see them in these social platforms and they have great content. They're amazing, but we're not even sure what deep down inside is their source and what's truly their goal and values, right? That's what I think. Yeah, I think that these are going to be people who are you're servicing, right? You're going to be servicing them. So it's best to ask some questions, understand their pain points, understand where they want to take it and where they want to grow from here. And then you could figure out, okay, what am I going to provide? Like you said, what can I offer? How can I bridge the gap? And how can I make joining my network really advantageous for them in the long term? So I think that makes a lot, a lot of sense. One of the things I appreciated a lot about your website, which I'll have the link in the show notes, is that you have a podcast network directory. And I just loved seeing the variety of different shows or different themes in general that the podcast networks were focusing in on. And I kind of saw some themes. I kind of saw that a lot of networks were focusing on let's say, for example, podcasts for music lovers or theater, performing arts, or this network was for Black creators. So when people are thinking about podcast networks, should they be thinking about themes and interests or can it be a bit more broad? Because I know Podcasters Unlimited really focuses on curriculum and information and consultation and collaboration, which that could look a lot different than a network that focuses in on, let's say, like horror, for example. Right. That's a great question. And I would say niche is everything. Niche in the last two years, if you have a niche specific, I'm going to give you a great example. There's a podcast network that's on the directory who's part of Podwork. They're the Pleasure Podcast Network. They focus on shows that are based on sex, different types of sex topics, sex advice, and they've been able to grow their show and have a specific listenership, right? Based off this interest, right? You know, Fable and Folly Network, you know, they're pretty much narrative producers of audio and storytelling content, all fiction-based. I would say definitely go for the niche, you know, Latina Podcast Network, right? All podcasters that are from a Latinx background, specifically having different shows, I would definitely say align your niche. That's something that's super important. When we started Podcasters Unlimited, it was because we wanted to include a variety of different things. And at the time, I think I mentioned this to you, 
when we saw each other, I was kind of torn because I wanted to do something for Latinx people, right, as well. But then I was like, damn, I, I want to have things for Caribbean. I wanted to be inclusive. And if you feel it in your gut, what initially you want to do and what it is that you want to do, go ahead and do it. Don't think back about wanting to maybe, you know, be more exploratory about certain things. If you have a niche and the niche is something that you love, you have a lot of interest in, or you feel like you're an expert in and you have people that are around the same realm, I would say go for it. It's very, very big now. The niche podcast networks, as you can see, most of them on that directory, which I have to add more, they're really honing on the niche. It's been a big thing. Yeah. And as a person looking outside, looking in, who focuses a lot on monetization, I can see how valuable that is. Because let's say your network is all about women of color empowerment, right? If you're going out looking for sponsors or looking for affiliate relationships, it's so much easier to say, hey, I have a catalog of five shows that all focus on different flavors of women of color empowerment versus having a network that has all these different varieties. It may be hard to find one sponsor that fits an entire catalog. So I definitely could see why that niche is blowing up and it's so successful. It really is. There's also categories, right? So if you do have a variety podcast network like Evergreen, Evergreen is a huge podcast network. They have categories. And that's another way to be able to niche out certain shows by categories. Hey, you know what? I have this big podcast network. I have two shows. You know, one show is about relationships. The other show is about business. You know, and I have five other shows under this category of business. Hey, we can do an affiliate or do a sponsorship based on these five shows. That's another way too. So it doesn't take away right from a standpoint of variety, but if you have a larger network, variety and categories will be important because you can niche those out. So you don't have to only focus on niche. If you have a lot of shows, like Evergreen has, oh my God, over 70 something shows, I think. So they're able to have those categories and those categories are also that subdivision, that niche in that variety that you're keeping the inclusivity, which is what we're wanting to do with Podcasters Unlimited. Like I mentioned, I think I was saying this to you before earlier, I originally wanted to create a lot of the content because I sat on a lot of content that I wrote and things that I do because I'm not a writer, but I am a creative. I have ideas and I'm a big like teacher. TV, like movie kind of person. And I wrote these things before, like three, four years ago. I'm actually collaborating with someone now on something that I wrote in 2018. And I just sat and like, oh, you know, whatever. And just go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. And now that I'm doing, I'm excited about creating original content and podcasters unlimited. And yes, people that want to continue our shows and people that want to come on, absolutely. But I'm more excited about creating that content because if I can create that content and it sounds great and I can make that derivative and translate that into television, why not? And that's like my dream. I love that. And I love that for you. So that's incredible. That's incredible. I know we've talked a bit about some monetization income streams. And I wanted to just kind of flesh it out a little bit more. So for folks who are like, all right, this sounds really cool, but what are the most common ways for podcast networks to make money? What would you say that looks like? I would say affiliates, affiliate links. We do something with this company called Pepper Jam. They offer different advertisers that we can have our podcasters either put in those affiliates in the show notes, mention them. That's one way to start. Like I said, if you have a bunch of shows and you have categories, let's say you have a couple of business shows, right? And you have a couple of relationship shows, that's a way to start. Sponsorship, of course. Sponsorship has been a little bit difficult for us to get for everyone on the network because we do have different shows. And that goes to speak to the niche that you spoke about. Another thing is merchandise, working on merchandise. A lot of podcasters, you know, that's something that we wanted to bring to our shows recently, but some of my podcast shows, they wanted to do merchandise. They wanted to sell different things. They wanted to do different items, do speaking engagements and do different things. That's another way that you can monetize from your network. Because if you're booking someone from your network on, let's say a, a, a speaking engagement or something locally, which works locally mostly, if we're doing that, that's a service that we're providing you with. And we definitely can get a fee for that. 
that it could be split with the network. So I would say affiliates, focusing on maybe speaking engagement and things locally. If you have a podcast network and people are in the same area, it's always good to you know hone in on smaller businesses that might need some sponsorship or promotion, speaking engagements, different cross-promotion ideas. For, for example, we were doing something with this radio station, Philly Jams, where we were playing some of our podcasts on their radio station for a certain block. And that was something that we were providing to our podcasters. Okay. You know, I knew someone who worked over there. They liked what we were doing and we were playing some of their shows on certain rotations on Saturdays and Sundays. And that was something that was bringing them more listenership and more awareness. So something like that, providing different avenues to get your podcasters out there and saying, Hey, listen, I can do this for you. I can do this for you. I can do that for you. And splitting that fee. That's a way as well to make money because you're not honing in on the sponsorship and the affiliate, but if they're locally, right? Because that's what was the strength that we had. The podcasters on my network there in New Jersey, we were able to do different things of that nature. So I would say, you know, think about that. It's not only about your sponsorships affiliate, their speaking engagements, their smaller businesses in your area that your podcaster might be an attorney like we have one of our podcasts. And if he's going to speak here, he's going to do there, how you can work that out. Another thing that we were able to do with having a network is connecting with people in press. A lot of press releases, for example, like, you know, some of us have been able to interview like Terry Woods. I was able to Devon Franklin. So I made a contact with a publicist. And we were able to secure a rotation of interviews and guests for our podcast network. That's huge. You know how sometimes you're looking for guests. If you're booking guests and you have that content, that's worth money. That's worth something, right? So you could always use that to your advantage. Yeah, we had put out an ad, I think it was in 2020 on Facebook and a bunch of different publicists reached out to us with so many different. I met the woman who created Podopolo, a bunch of people through there, and I was able to funnel those guests to my podcasters. So think about affiliates, right? Think about sponsorship, thinking about local. If your podcasters are local, what speaking engagement you can book them. You have guests and connections with press release. There's a lot of different ways that you can try to monetize it. It might not be a lot of money up front, but it does add up. Yes. Yes. I love that you put all those ideas out there to really get folks thinking about getting started. Now you sort of teased a lesson that you've learned and something that you think that would have really made a difference if you would have started from today. You mentioned charging a subscription, a monthly fee to your current lineup of shows, your podcasters. Are there anything else that you would have done differently knowing what you know now? I would have immediately tried to monetize my show from the start, taking at least a shot at it. I was too, I would say, I don't want to say timid. I was just kind of like, man, you know, these 10,000 download scare, 100,000 download, you know, what you guys were talking about today (laughs) in Twitter spaces that, you know, I would show up to some of these events and it was like, well, if you don't have 50,000 downloads, you don't have this CP, you know, it was always this like fear. And I'm like, man, if I would have taken a shot from the beginning and laid it out, if if, it would have played out a little bit better for our network, because a lot of our shows, like I said, we have six shows, five of them were brand new, brand new, right? created, named, you know what I mean? Produced, formatted, brand new. I would have taken a shot because I've run into podcasters that I talk to now and we're trying to get together and and really collaborate. They were able right away with their contacts, right? With their industry that they were in to monetize their podcast without even launching it. Just because of what they were offering, right? Just because of who they knew. You know what I mean? I would have done that. Don't fear that. Now it's different. Now I'm like, okay, I can go for it now. But I would say, do it. What is the worst they can say is no. And I think that was the issue. You're talking about two years ago, right? Like 2020, you know, 2019, 2020, where everything was just so heightened, right? About numbers. And now you meet a lot of people who are able to make money and they don't have not even $5,000. And they're able to monetize it. It's all about asking and putting yourself out there. I think that's the best advice I can give. Go for it right away before you launch, especially if you have a niche show, right? I made a mistake, man. I made a mistake. I started monetizing, I think, a year and a half. Too late. (laughs) Too late because it's like, oh my gosh, like I was feeling just burnt out and pod fade was right around the corner. So I love that reframe is that 
look at what you can offer, look at who's in your network, what you can leverage and consider it early. Put it as part of your plan. You know, during that six months of planning, if you're taking six months, think about that. Think about how you plan to monetize and how to leverage what you have to build what you want in the future. So I definitely understand and I definitely agree. Now, Denise, I love that you produce a virtual podcasting conference. This will be 2023 will be your third annual. I hope that it's going to be back again because as I believe you're the only podcast network conference that I know of. So would love to hear your thoughts in terms of behind the scenes of putting pod work together, what folks can expect and who it is for and when tickets will go on sale, of course. That's awesome. Thank you for asking that because I got in trouble for saying I was the only. So I guess I made it, Daniel. I had someone trolling <laughs> our page. I'm serious. It was so... Somebody was like, why are you the only one? You're not the only one in New Jersey. This guy kept trolling us. He came up on every... On podcasters of New Jersey, on my private page. I was like, well, I must have made it then because this person was really upset saying that I wasn't the only. But yeah, the mere thought of what pod work was about was our struggle. And none of us, even I'm part of the Podcasters Alliance Network group. There's, like I said, there's a bunch of successful podcast networks on there, but we're all still figuring it out, right? We're all still talking about what works, how we can, you know, monetize, how we're able to check our analytics, what is the best analytics for all of our hosting sites. So it's just so much. So with Podwork, we wanted to bring that out and say, what is the niche network that you want to create? How do you staff your network? You know, the first year was about launching your podcast network. And then last year was about growing and branding your podcast network. This year, we're definitely coming back. I'm in the works. I'm not going to say yet because I'm trying to do something really special, a little different. I'm really trying to connect and bring two industries together, which is what pod work is about. But it's for podcasters who want to know what networks are about, why to join them, what networks are out there, what slates of content these networks are presenting, who can I pitch to, who is available. And then for podcast networks to say, hey, what's the next talent? What podcasters out there that I would love to have on my network? You know what I mean? And you know, it was one of those things where we just felt, so inexperienced when we started that we didn't know anything. And we're like, oh my God, we have to figure all of this, these things out. And we're still learning. We're still learning. And it was just so hard to do it alone. So that's where pod work came from. And, and honestly, the first year we did really, really well. This past year, we did really well. Our first year, we had a great sponsor. This past year, we didn't have the sponsorship that we expected because I feel like we started we were on pod fade. We were like, are we going to do it? Are we not going to do it? What are we going to do? We were like, oh my God, we kind of literally waited till the last minute and we pulled it together. But we were lucky where we hosted our virtual conference. Our space was pretty much given to us for nothing. And that was a blessing because the first year we really put in a lot of work, but we did make some money. You know, we did, we did well. I was surprised. I'm like, okay, so, you know, we had 75 people that purchased ticket. We gave some away. We had people who really paid and, and we were like, wow, because you know, that first year you're looking for, hey, come on, you know, come to this. And people are like, well, what's your budget? You know, how much are you going to pay me? And I'm like, well, you know, I have this pitch session. And if you want to have podcasters pitch to you, I'm going to charge them this and you can keep that. So that was one of the things we offered. At first, we didn't have a super budget to give to speakers. And we're like, you know what? If you're a podcast network and you want to meet a podcaster, we did a pitch session. Our first year, we had three networks, ABF, which is an award-winning network. We had Evergreen and we also had, I think, Fables and Folly. And we were like, hey, podcasters, for $25, you can pitch to these networks. And we told the network owners that money, you guys can keep it. You do whatever you want. You know, we tried to do the best that we could, but I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of it. I feel like that was what helped me propel and learn more about how to truly appreciate what I've done. Because a lot of times you don't feel super successful if you haven't hit that marker and that ranking that everybody holds you to in this podcasting industry. How many downloads do you have? What is this? What is that? And you're like, you know what? I feel like I'm doing good. I'm living my best value. I'm not out here trying to act like it's something else. It, it is what it is. And I was very proud of it. And I definitely want to bring it back this year. I'm hoping to, the, the reason why we haven't announced it, I'm hoping to do it in person. So once that 
goes like a green light, we get a thumbs up, then I'll be able to announce it. But I'm excited. I'm excited for it because it's needed. One of the things that we did was the pitch session, right? We have podcasters pitch the network, which I just mentioned. And we also have now every year we have podcast networks present their new slate of shows. So I dedicated about 45 minutes that we give to, we give five minutes to each podcast that we between five and 10 minutes. And they're able to go on and present their three, three to five shows that they just released and you know why they're so proud of it what's their new slate when are they coming out we had Rita Bautista she presented I think four shows we had Sean Howard who I love who works for Pacific Content and he's the one of the co-founders and owners of Fable and Folly present three or four shows and we also had you know the show that we presented so I feel like it's important to say hey guys hey guys networks what do you have what are the new shows you're coming out with come to Podwork and present these slates of show let the podcasters know what type of shows you're launching, how proud of you are of these shows, right? How much you support these shows. And I was so happy that we brought that back. We didn't bring the pitch back. Last year, the pitch was really great. We didn't have a chance to do it this year, but I'm thinking about doing it and I'm trying to put a spin on it because we're seeing a lot of podcasts translating into television. I mean, you know, what Ernan Lopez did with Wondery, right? And, and with Apple TV and how he was able to leverage all these docs, a shrink next door, we crash and made into television. It's what I ultimately want for myself. That's one of the things I want to do. So kind of bringing a little sprinkle of that to pod work next year is what we're aspiring to do with the conversations that we're having. So once we know that we're going to do it in person or not, you know, I'll announce some things, but I'm super excited about it. That's kind of the nitty gritty, but I feel like it was, it was good. We did well. Like I was kind of hard on myself this past year because you mentioned something, Danielle. I literally had pod fade from the first one. I had just graduated from my master's. I got engaged. I was working. <laughs> while doing my internship, doing papers. I graduated one week, went to a wedding. The following week was pod work. At 2021, we we're just like, I was literally like on snooze, like, oh my God, I can't, I can't do anymore. I felt that way, you know, at the top of last year. So this year has been easier to kind of understand what's my harmony, right? What am I good at? What's my skill? Which is something you talked about in that podcast that you had with Jay, honing in on your skill. And I kind of have figured it out. And now that I figured it out, I'm just going to arrive and do it. And sometimes arrive. we don't do it. <laughs> yes. No, I look forward to pod work because especially the 2022, it really made me think. I was like, wait, women of color, podcasters, podcast network? Like I was like questioning. I couldn't make it because I was pregnant and, and having my baby. <laughs> but it's really interesting to hear and learn and the success that so many podcast networks are having from people who look like us, right? Like that's so inspiring. And I'm really looking forward to 2023. And as soon as you get the lowdown on how it's going to work, when, and all of the details, I'm super excited to share with everyone on the show because it's definitely an event that you do not, do not want to miss. So before I let you go, you are very excited about the newest show on Podcasters Unlimited that I'd love for you to talk about. Yes, yeah, so I'm super excited about the show. It's called Creencias. For those who don't know what Creencias mean, in Spanish, Creencias is translating to English as to beliefs. And Creencias is a short narrative podcast fiction. It's based on a young girl. Her name is Carmen and she grew up in New Jersey in the 1990s and 2000s and her grandmother was a spiritual consultant. Carmen is just realizing what her spiritual beliefs are, what her creencias are through the experiences that she has through her grandmother who's from Dominican Republic, her being raised in New Jersey and finding it a little quirky and weird that her grandmother reads the cards and has clients and has all these different rituals and beliefs that she's kind of embarrassed about, but at the same time, it really molds her to be who she is. I also included into the narrative fiction podcast, which is bilingual. I also included three separate discussions with Latinx creatives when they talk about their beliefs and their spirituality, their creencias, their rituals, the things that they learned from their parents and the things that were passed down. Creencias is really important to me because it's loosely based a little bit on the way that I grew up. And I was always questioning everything. And it made me realize one day when 
in 2021, I thought about the idea and I was like, I don't know if I want to put it out there. So I fictionalized it a little bit and I wrote it. We created it. We had Jen Zink, who is an award-winning sound designer for Afflicted, as well as the Nightlight Pod that with Tanya Ransom that I mentioned. She did such a great job. It was just so beautiful to put my grandmother's culture and my own beliefs. And yeah, and listen to other Latinas and Latinx creatives who talked about their beliefs. It was just great. I'm very proud of it because at the time when I wrote it last year, I was like, I don't know. And then, my God, Encanto came out, right? And my thing was creencias, right? And I wrote it last April, 2021. I see Encanto and I'm like, oh my God, this is like how I grew up, right? And I wrote this. Why am I sitting on this again? Why am I not putting this out there? And Anne was instrumental. Shout out to Anne. You know, she's one of the co-founders of Podcasts Unlimited, my partner, Brianna Robinson. I wouldn't be able to do anything if it wasn't for those two, as well as my fiance, who was instrumental as well in just helping us, right, create the company. And going back to when I saw Encanto, I'm like, oh my God, this is, wow, in creencias, right? One word, Encanto. I'm like, come on, girl, stop it. So when I told Anne, <laughs> she was like, no, you have to play the role. And I'm like, no, I'm going to find a voice actor. I looked for a voice actor and shout out to Shantea Fonseca, who's my other voice actor. And they were like, no, you got to do it. And I actually narrated it. And funny story, real quick, I actually had the confidence because Yanni Smith of Harlem Queen hired me to do voiceover for one of her episodes in season two, which I did like a very important back and forth scene. And I played this gangster character of the 1920s. And I played alongside this wonderful actress named Kara Young, who's like booming in Broadway, was Emmy nominated. And I got paid for that gig. So that gave me the boost. Like, you know what? I did do some voiceover work. You know what? Let me do this. So yeah, I want you guys to listen to it. I hope you like it. I'm very proud of it. It's our first time creating something fictional and it's from the heart, you know, and it just talks about Afro spirituality, the connections of Dominican Republic, of Haiti, and just people's beliefs that sometimes might be demonized or might be looked at and how this girl Carmen became who she became because I'm a therapist now and I consider my grandmother a spiritual therapist. And that journey of my beliefs led me to being in my career. So that was my dedication to her and to my family, just kind of fictionalized. I never say this to nobody, you know that? Because I'm supposed to be having my little season end party. So let me know when this comes out, girl. So we <laughs> <laughs> We will. Uh, I cannot wait to share that snippet with you all so you can all have a listen and be sure to follow and subscribe. Denise, this was incredible. You dropped so much knowledge, hard-earned knowledge, right? It's so easy for us to have this conversation, but it took you years to develop in terms of like understanding what works, what doesn't work for you. And I just so appreciate this time that we spend together. And I'm still thinking about WOC Podcasters Network. Still thinking about it. So please let everyone know. And you know that you got me. And oh, let me tell you guys really quick. So Danielle, so you guys know the type of person Danielle is. You know, we sat down and had a very candid conversation. And I shared with Danielle how I miss my community and how, you know, I had a consistent presence, right? When we're doing the meetup, I had 20, 25 people showing up. It was booming. And then boom, the pandemic came. And Danielle and I talked about a couple of things. And I was telling Danielle how I was thinking about bringing this back in person. Danielle gave me some great advice. And, you know, really kind of motivating me like, yeah, you know what? You're on the right track. Maybe you can do this. You can do that. And now I'm bringing back my meetup, God willing, next year. And we're planning to just really do it and flush it out. Like we wanted to do a 501c3, things like that. And, you know, I wanted to thank you for that and say that I appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate that as well. One thing I'm good at is bouncing ideas. Like I I love sharing ideas and then seeing what people run with that feels authentic and true to them. So again, we're cheering you on. Denise, thank you so much for stopping by and hanging out with us. Please let everyone know how they can connect with you and the best way to reach you after this episode. Perfect. I'm actually on... Instagram, you can follow me at Podcasters of NJ. I'm also at Podcasters Unlimited on IG. And you guys can also join my Facebook group. It's called Podcasters of New Jersey. I'm still on Facebook, you know, 
chugging along with that group. See where we go there. And if you guys definitely want to reach me, you can reach me on IG. I'm always much more accessible there. Again, Podcast is of NJ, Podcast is Unlimited, and also at PodCypher. Those are the handles. I love it. All right, y'all. You heard it from Denise. Go and stop sitting on your ideas and put it out in the world. So we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much. Bye. 